You are listening to the audio portion of the QB Power Hour webinar series. The QB Power Hour is a free bi-weekly webinar series for accounting professionals presented by Michelle Long and Dan DeLong, who are very passionate about the industry, QuickBooks, and apps that integrate with QuickBooks. You can find out all the details about the webinar series at qbpowerhour.com. So without further ado, here's Michelle and Dan. Welcome, everybody. We're really glad to have you joining us here on another QB Power Hour. Today's topic is niche nuances, legal or niche nuances, depending on what part of the country you might be from. I happen to say niche. I think Linda says niche, so either one's acceptable. But we are talking about the legal industry today. We have two wonderful guests joining Dan and I today. So we're very glad to have you guys all joining us for this. Wherever you're located, I hope you are staying safe and healthy and uh, cool because it's been crazy hot in a lot of places lately. My name is Michelle Long. I'm a CPA with an MBA in entrepreneurship, the owner of Long for Success. I've been teaching QuickBooks for longer than I care to admit because it makes me feel really old when I say that. Um, but very glad to have you guys joining me today. Dan, you want to go ahead and talk about yourself? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm your co-host today, uh, Dan Long, uh, owner of Dan Witt, uh, former of Intuit and technical support and trainer, writer, uh, technically edited QBO for Dummies, and my new project is a uh, new partner, chief content creator at School of Bookkeeping. Uh, so joining us today, we actually have some uh, two people, and this is actually a, a first. Uh, so for, for the QB Power Hour, um, we've had some niche nuances or niche nuances <laughs> in the past, but we've always looked at it from the accounting uh, professional. Uh, so today we're actually going to be joined by someone uh, working that that industry. So Brian Canavan, which I misspelled his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and and Linda Artisani, but we'll we'll correct that another slide. <laughs> uh, so Brian, you want to uh, introduce yourself a little bit about what what it is that you do? Yeah. So I'm Brian Canavan, and I have my own law firm. It's called Canavan Law, and I'm primarily an estate planning attorney. Um, I do some other things as well. Uh, I uh, help out with some family law cases and and child support and, and things like that. Uh, we're also a type of law firm that not only does the estate planning, but also does litigation in the estate planning field. So um, I do get out from behind the desk every once in a while and go down to court, back when we used to be able to go. To court. <laughs> so I, uh, I became an attorney in 2006 and opened my own firm in 2012 uh, and uh, have lots of um, ups and downs and turns and curves, and but uh, having a lot of fun doing what I do. Great. And Linda, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Linda Artisani, Artisani Bookkeeping. I'm like Michelle, been doing this a uh, long time, uh, probably 25 years in total as uh, doing accounting work and bookkeeping. And I've been a generalist for most of that time. Just recently, 2016 was when I started to think about going towards the niching of my business. And in probably about two full years now, just exclusively doing that. And really this year was my first year that I said, I don't want to take any other clients at all. I'm at that point now where I'm just getting the organic leads because it's a lot of work to put yourself in that position. And it's hard to say no, but it's actually good for the client too, because I really only want to do the work with the attorneys and I think that being able to do that is going to help me grow as a professional as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us today and taking time out of your day to talk to our audience about uh, about your industries and the unique 
nuances of, of those industries when it comes to, you know, keeping track of the, of the business. Uh, so a little bit about uh, upcoming uh, webinars for, for the QB Power Hour. Of course, today is the Niche Nuances for Legal. Uh, next, uh, next, so it's every other week. Um, so every, uh, so the, excuse me, uh, the every next one other. in every <laughs> other Tuesday, there we go, <laughs> at noon, there we go. Um, but next uh, next up, we're going to have our last in our four, four series from QBO Advance, the, the roadmap. Uh, where is it going? So uh, we're actually going to have a product manager from Intuit come on and, and talk about QuickBooks Online Advanced and where is, where is it headed? Uh, so if you want to be part of that conversation, uh, that will be a great one uh, to attend uh, as well. And then we're actually, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about QuickBooks Online. Um, we're actually going to bring in some desktop topics. <laughs> uh, so coming up, we're going to be talking about uh, QuickBooks special accounts. So the, these are accounts that have specific functionality tied to them inside of QuickBooks. So we'll also talk about online and desktop with that episode. Uh, but then we're going to be talking about QuickBooks desktop utilities, uh, things about the, the data file and things like that. As, you know, if, you're, if you're trying to get a file up to, up to QuickBooks online, that will be a great one to attend as well. Uh, but if you also live in uh, QuickBooks Desktop with you or your clients, um, these, this is going to be a great episode uh, as well. And I'm working on trying to get someone from the de data services department of Intuit to talk about uh, their perspective as well. Because I just had to send a couple files up to data services. And, um, you know, it was a, it, it's an interesting thing that what, what happens behind the scenes. Um, so our PDFs of the slides are available um, on, on that link. You can click and get all the PDFs of all the all the handouts that we have. Um, and if you miss an episode, you can view a recording on YouTube. We are streaming live as well, uh, but that that will be available on YouTube as well, and we'll post that into our Facebook group um, as well. And as uh, we also have the podcast, so you can uh, join us there as well. Uh, so more. our agenda. Okay, well, go ahead. I'm that's sorry, okay. I'm rambling on. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just wanted to cover one more admin detail for our attendees that are listening live. We would love you guys to communicate with us and ask questions with us and stuff. But if you could ask your questions in the Q&A box, that way we're able to respond specifically to your questions and stuff. If you just want to chat with one another, then you can do that in the chat window. Um, and we do want to thank Matt for joining us. Matt Fulton is joining us to help with the Q&A as well. So again, use the questions and answers box so we can reply specifically to your questions. If you just want to chat then you can chat with each other and uh, thank you again Matt for helping out today. Awesome yes thank you Matt for joining us. Um, so our agenda today is we're going to talk to the industry professionals so we'll talk to Brian uh, we'll talk to Linda and just kind of get their their perspectives and then hopefully what we'll uncover is is some of the specific industry challenges that that come up as a as a legal professional or a an accounting professional in the legal industry and then oh, how do you overcome those challenges inside of QuickBooks? And then, you know, maybe touch on some, some other solutions. Uh, so our first uh, question, uh, poll question that I'll be launching here is what version of QuickBooks are you using? Um, because sometimes that will, that will take, uh, that will have some specific niche, niche or nuances in and of itself, you know, what version of, of QuickBooks you're actually using. Uh, so QuickBooks Online, I know Linda, you, you love QuickBooks Online uh, Advanced, actually. It's just a specific one. And if you, if you joined us last time, Linda was on uh, talking about 
uh, a little bit, a little teaser about what we're going to be talking about here today, but how she overcomes some of those uh, uh, challenges in advance. Right, Linda? Yeah, I that's my favorite version. I don't even bother with the other ones anymore because it's got a lot of things that are inside the product that you would pay extra for. And one of the things that's big is the workflows we'll, we'll get into as we get deeper into the into the webinar. Awesome. Well, and Linda, like with the QBO Advanced, once you start using some of those features, it's hard to go back to not happy, having those available, like the workflows or those yeah. custom fields. The it's custom like fields, yeah. once you've learned to utilize them, and I love that you're going to share this with everybody today, but I can see why you don't want to go back because it's hard to give it up once you've started getting used to that. So true. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how I felt about you know, QBO, once I learned how to navigate and the tips and tricks and things like that, when I'd go back and work in desktop, it just seemed so clunky and dated after getting used to what I could do in QBO. So QBO Advanced just takes that a whole nother level. So mm -hmm. I think that's great. So let me go ahead and uh, close the poll here and share the results. Uh, so majority using both. Yeah. Uh, quick, QuickBook Agnostic. <laughs> uh, but right behind is QuickBooks Online, 29%, uh, and only QuickBooks Desktop at 10, and and some that do doesn't apply. Maybe they're using zero or not even using QuickBooks. <laughs> Maybe they're attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me go ahead and stop sharing the results there. Uh, so let's talk about Brian. <laughs> um, Brian, you you Brian's actually a part of my BNI uh, group. Uh, so if there is anyone joining us that is in BNI, you can certainly reach out and connect with him. And I believe this may count as a one-to-one -one, sure. um, <laughs> because we are going to be talking about um, just a little bit about how you started in the legal industry. You know, um, one thing that strikes me most from, from my, my experience with you is you're not the typical lawyer. You know, when you, <laughs> when you, when you think about that, I mean, your quote that you have here, God works wonders now and then. Behold, a lawyer, an honest man. I was going to say, I think I'll take that as a compliment. But <laughs> I mean, you're you're not just an exceptional lawyer. You're an exception to being a lawyer, <laughs> in my perspective. Um, tell us about how you started uh, in the legal profession. Well, I think it all kind of goes back to when I was a little kid and I saw a few good men for the first time. You know, I, I think I wanted to be Tom Cruise's character more than anything else uh, that I ever wanted. Uh, sometimes when I give presentations, people ask, you know, what other previous types of jobs have you had? And I haven't. Uh, you know, I, I worked at law firms as a clerk and I worked at law firms as a file, uh, file clerk and a courier and then all the way up until when I was in law school and then a licensed attorney. So uh, I can't do anything else. So I guess that, <laughs> that's how I got started. Um, when I moved, I went to law school at Michigan State University, uh, but always wanted to live in Arizona. And when I came out here, I knew that I didn't want to be in the criminal field or anything like that. So I started looking for jobs and was lucky enough to find one with a small firm doing estate planning and probate work. And I uh, worked at a couple firms and after about six years of experience decided to open my own firm. And uh, that's pretty much what led me to where I am now. 
And Brian, you and I chatted just a little bit about that transitioning from working for a firm to going on your own. Because like you and I talked about, I had worked in public accounting and worked at firms. And then when I went on my own, I know I had a lot of challenges and struggles. And do you want to share some of the struggles that you had going on your own, particularly around the accounting and bookkeeping area? Absolutely. So they don't really teach you how to be a lawyer when you're in law school. <laughs> I mean, at best, they, you're taught how to think like a lawyer um, and some of the case law and some general concepts. But running a business is not something that's really focused on at all. So, you know, in addition to uh, understanding how businesses are set up and that, you know, there is such a thing as electing S-corp status and things like that. One of the biggest concerns that I had that I immediately figured out was that I didn't know how to keep books at all. Uh, so that, that was a huge eye opener. Um, and of course, there are all the concerns that we have about making sure that we have great accounting for our trust accounts and things like that, uh, that are, uh, immediately relevant when you realize that, you know, it was nice to have somebody setting those things up for you when you work for the firm. And can you share with us a little of the requirements around trust accounting? Because like I was shocked when you said um, how many different ways you have to keep that and everything. Um, so you want to share some of the requirements and the ramifications if you get things wrong. Right. So uh, the first thing is, is that every year when I fill out my application for, or my renewal for my bar membership, they ask, tell us about your uh, trust account and where you hold it and who's responsible. So sometimes if you work for a firm, you're not as an attorney responsible for the trust account. You know, there has to be a responsible attorney. Um, as it's just me, that responsible person is just me. Uh, we are required to keep at least three different um, recordings of our trust account. So for me, I have a spreadsheet that I keep as well as a physical book. Um, my accountant also has access to my trust account and uh, I have my bank account. So I actually keep track of my trust account in four different ways, which was recently very relevant because we did have a little bit of a computer problem uh, at our office. I think maybe a file just got moved to a different spot in Google Drive, but we ended up finding it, so it was okay. But if I needed to recreate that trust account, uh, I would have been able to do so, but it would have taken a long time. Uh, every penny of client money needs to be accounted for at all times, and there are all sorts of rules about that. The, uh, the consequences for not doing that are basically disbarment, and, and potentially even criminal theft charges. So it's something that whenever I have anybody in my firm that even remotely has access to any of the four different ways that I keep track of my trust account, uh, that's the number one rule is that that must be worked on first to make sure that it's always completely accurate. And one of the things that I get confused on is the word trust. Um, because you you handle living trusts, and then we're talking about trust accounting. Is that are, are they one and the same, or are yeah, they so I, are yeah. they separate, different? I can make it even more complicated for you. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> um, so, uh, in the estate planning field, I help people create living trusts, uh, which are the documents that pass your things on from you to your your beneficiaries. Oftentimes, your children or things like that. 
Uh, we also create what's called a living will, which is similar to a living trust. That's the document that talks about how you want to be treated at the end of life, like machines or no machines. Our trust account is the trust account that we keep open at the bank that it contains our client's money. So oftentimes if I start a, a family law case, I may tell the client that we need a what we call a retainer. And that retainer uh, is not my money yet. I haven't earned it, but the clients are putting it on deposit uh, so that we start working at working the case. Um, so for example, if somebody were to give me a $3,000 retainer, I would put that money into a separate bank account, which is called an IOLTA account, uh, which is an interest only lawyer's trust account. And that money sits there until I send them an invoice, at which time I then transfer their money from the trust into my operating account because I've earned it at that point. Gotcha. So yeah, that. Uh... That, that cleared it up and confused it. I think went all in the same breath. Uh, but I, no, I did. It, it does make it does make a lot of lot of sense. So you could actually have trust accounting uh, with in the legal profession, but not do trusts. That's correct. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Absolutely. And and and, the, and that is. I'm sure that we're heading in that direction. But. One of the biggest challenges that I found uh, was finding an accountant and a bookkeeper that could work with me in understanding that when I took money for my trust account, that that wasn't necessarily income to me right that moment and making sure that it went into the appropriate areas on QuickBooks and things like that, which I still don't even completely understand, but uh, <laughs> But I, I'm lucky enough to have folks like Linda uh, that help me out. Well, and I think you're going to like what Linda's going to share today. And I, I was telling you earlier that I, I think uh, you might even find that you want to change a few things because Linda's got some great tricks up her sleeve. There you go. <laughs> and, um, and one of the things that I, I find interesting now that we're talking uh, uh, to you, Brian, is that you're in a niche, in a niche. So it's like a yeah. sub niche of uh, – estate planning specifically, how did you get involved? I mean, just tell us a little bit about that story of uh, how, how estate planning became, uh, became what you specialize in. Well, I've always liked to help people. Um, I, I have always kind of thought that I'd like to be the kind of attorney that people send a Christmas card to. Um, so in addition to, um, you know, never wanting to practice uh, in uh, the criminal field. I had no, no interest in being a prosecutor or a public defender or anything like that. Um, I just always thought it was interesting being able to help people and provide value for my service um, and, you know, do help families understand how to pass on their legacy uh, to either other family members or to charitable organizations or things like that. Was there a specific uh, moment uh, that you can recall or, or a particular case where it's like, aha, this is what I want to do. And, and this is going to, this points me in the direction I want to go. Well, I was always interested in the subject in law school, um, but we did have in my family, we had an interesting estate planning uh, scenario where uh, a family member passed away and things were not set up correctly. Um, and 
a large portion of the estate ended up going somewhere where we imagine that our deceased family member didn't really want it to go. Um, and there was nothing that we could do. Uh, it was attorney prepared in another state, uh, but not prepared in the way that we think that it probably should have been. And uh, so that was, a, that was an eye opening situation. Um, but, you know, I also wanted to make sure that I had the opportunity to also go to court and litigate cases from time to time because I need to argue awesome well okay so let um that's the introduction to brian and and we'll we'll bring you in as uh as as linda goes through what what she's going to go through um and see if uh you know from the legal professional perspective if that how that how that coincides with uh with what you're experiencing in 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 your profession. Uh, so in second poll, I'll launch that here. Are, do you currently work in a niche? Niche. <laughs> <laughs> so our choices are yes or no, still deciding, or no, I prefer to be a generalist, like a jack of all trades. So ahead, while they're answering that question, um, Linda, I think this one might be for you. Uh, Sarah wants to know, she has an attorney who pays all the bills from operating. He transfers or reimburses the operating account from the trust account. I have a new client who pays all bills related to clients out of the trust account. Can they do either method? Yeah, I've seen both. I've seen attorneys, I have an attorney in Texas, you know, that does family law and they pay right out of the IOLTA. And then I have most of them do advanced client costs, which is one of the terms we'll get into. And we put it up in the balance sheet. And then when they do their actual invoicing, when they invoice for their time and their expenses, it gets they get reimbursed for it. So it doesn't affect their, their records at all. It's an in and an out. But it's both methods. Most of the time, it's the advanced client costs method, and they don't actually pay them directly out of Violta. But it, I have seen both. Okay, and that kind of goes along with Carrie's question. The best practice for recording expenses that the attorney's client will reimburse the attorney. I've heard different methods. Brian, do you want to comment on that as well? I handle it the way that Linda just described, is that we create an invoice, we put the expenses on the invoice, and then we bill it to the client's uh, trust account. Awesome. Great. Can you go ahead and uh, close the poll and share the results. Uh, so the... Uh, the main uh, top answer is uh, 40 percent. Uh, no, still deciding. So, Linda. Yeah. Pressure's on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's so funny because I sat in their shoes for a very long time where I wasn't sure. I, I mentioned in the last webinar that I've always followed actually what Michelle has talked about, like when the online first came out, whether or not I should go there or should I not or, you know, then kind of went there because you started talking about how it was getting better and we, and I jumped right in. I love the automation actually have to give my daughter credit. She started working for me and I still hung on to desktop and they were, she was doing all the online ones and everything was being done faster. And I said, I got to figure out why is this happening? And then I started learning about the apps and the way that technology could be used. And it's surprising when you work with law firms, how few of them are actually using technology. They still do a lot of stuff with paper they still print a lot of paper. Uh, they do, they have a desk, there's so many programs that are out there. I was surprised that one day I decided for my blog post, I would do a whole bunch of blogs on all the different products. There's thousands of products out there, which is hard for the attorneys because they tend to like, what do I use? What's the best one? 
And I've spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. Once I decided to niche, uh, you know, I, the, the call of you can get paid more to do this. I think a lot of times people sit on the fence, like maybe I'll get really bored. That was definitely one of my fears because I loved working with all different businesses and learning about the different businesses. I loved working with startups. Um, but I sat back and structured down to like three niches and picked law firms because I loved working with attorneys. They're the consummate professional. So to be able to work with them, they work in time all the time. So they're really good about not taking too much of your time. Like if they have a 15 minute meeting, it is 15 minutes. They're on time. It's done. They get to the point. It's, you know, whatever you need to talk about. If you ask them for a document because they spend a lot of their time asking for documents, get the document like that. It's, that's the really cool part. So if you work in any other field and you're trying to figure out which one, maybe you have an attorney or two. That's how I started. I actually didn't have a lot of attorneys that I worked with, but I looked at who I worked with and who did I like to work with the most. Had a local attorney here in Fort Myers that I worked with, researched, tried to find the best apps. I, maybe I just got lucky. I discovered Lean Law and how well it worked with QuickBooks because I love QuickBooks. I've always worked in QuickBooks and put the two pieces together. I started adding the receipt capture features that I was able to automate some of the accounts payable. Back then, we didn't have advanced, so we added an app for like receivables because most of the law firms are, are really bad about collecting on their receivables. If they're not doing it through trust and it's straight up accounts receivables, they're actually not great about collecting and staying on top of it. So it's a place as an accountant, you can jump in and actually help them get some money and get some cash flow in their firm. So it's that part of it's been, it's just been a lot of fun and niching is not boring. It's been a really important to set up your workflow, stick to it and just go with it. And I have to say, I'm not bored at all. It's actually the opposite. It's, uh, it's interesting that you say uh, attorneys make good clients for those reasons. They're the, the time and, and the documents uh, because that's that stuff that, you know, people in the accounting profession, you chase all the time. <laughs> like, I need your bank statement. Uh, I need, <laughs> you know, I need this or that or the other thing. So that, that's an interesting um, aspect that, that you bring up. Um, so um, how, how did you get, um, how, did, how did you start um, determining I mean, where where did that, you said that it was in about in 2016 or so was when you started really really looking into uh, specializing? Uh, did you just set all your clients up and say, okay, these are three three general areas, pick one and and go with it, or how did how did you then decide which which niche uh, was for you? I was very fortunate. I was in '97 and up with Seth David, who is my mentor. And he, we talked about it. And one of the things that was great about working with, you know, working with a mentor is that he would, he would bring that subject up. We would talk about how you can make more money. And he said, just take your list. I threw it, of course, where would you put it if you're an accountant? On a spreadsheet. I rated them. I rated the clients and how I like to work for them, good or bad, had like columns, sorted it, sorted the columns and made that decision. And he said, Linda, and I was really freaking out because I was like, I, I love all my clients. How do you pick? And I just sat back and said, why do I like this one or that one? And obviously for attorneys, I had a little bit of recession proof. I love working with contractors, but that was more of an up and down business. I love working with real estate. I own real estate. So that was one of them that I kind of stuck to. But I just sat back and kind of weighed the options. 
And I really had great relationships with the attorneys that I had, that I had on my list. And I just did a spreadsheet and figured out which one came to the top. And Seth said, take three, pick three that you want to work with and sit with it for a bit. And that's exactly what I did. And the other two just fell away and it just made it a logical choice for me. Okay. So let's talk about the the legal niche. So, so what what is it you would want to know ahead of time getting into that niche um, before you get into that niche, you know, shallow end of the pool yeah. type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So first thing you want to do is study the lingo, right? So I've gave you a little list here, advanced client costs. So these are the things that when you're, when you're engaging with your client or your prospect, you need to know if you're going to tell people you're specializing, you need to know how to talk the talk, right? So uh, advanced client costs are those fees that the, the attorney pays for upfront before they actually do the billing. So they're paying for it, then you get reimbursed when you bill. So those are, it's an account on your, on your balance sheet. So it's an asset account. And I've seen books because we, we do a lot of migrations. So Sarah Prevost and I are partners and we do a lot of data migrations. We're taking people off of desktop programs like PC Law or Juris and putting them and other ones too, and putting them into QuickBooks and Lean Law. And we see, like, I've seen some books where the attorneys actually think their books are right, but then I've seen things it's on the profit and loss report. And there's another method. You can do it that way, but the better method is to do it as advanced client costs, especially if you're using like an app like Lean Law. Lean Law, well, that's how the functionality works with their two-way sync. Um, case or matter, it's their actual physical, you know, you're going to matter. If you think about the word matter, so like, uh, Brian was mentioning he has a client that comes to him, does estate planning, that's their case or matter. So it's just some terms that you need to know when they're discussing it. And you just got to learn the industry a bit. Um, IOLTA, again, he talked about the IOLTA account, trust account, those can be kind of intermixed in language. It's a bank account. A lot of the clients we get would that think that their bank account, they might have it balanced perfectly on QuickBooks. But the bank account in the IOLTA account, so it's not the, not the attorney's money, it's a deposit. The individual accounts that equal it, like little individual checkbooks, but all equal one, has to equal to the penny, the bank balance. So even though it can be reconciled, if those monies aren't right, then your IOLTA is not right. And as Brian mentioned, it can have some pretty extreme uh, repercussions if it's not accurate and right to the penny. It's not like you can, you know, say up or down or like a cash floor. It has to be perfect. So, and it's important, you, you know, they have to even report it sometimes depending on where they are. They have to report it to the ABA. Um, they can do the, in, the bar association can come in and do a spot check audit on them. So they have to make sure their records are right. Pre-bills is another one. It's a draft. It's a draft of the invoice as you're doing the processing. So the attorney will start to, every month, most of the times they'll do it on the first or the first and the 15th. They'll do the billing for the prior month. And a lot of times it's part of my job is I'll pull together. They, they start to collect the time. We get the expenses in that they've prepaid for that we put up in client advanced costs. And then when it's time to bill, we group those together and create a draft bill. They use the word pre-bill. A lot of the law firms use the word pre-bill. It's the same thing. It's a draft bill. They review it. They say yes or no. It's ready to go. And then you bill it out. Uh, Three-way reconciliation is, again, that bank account has to match the total liability account of all the monies that you're holding as deposits. 
including adding up all the individuals. So all those things, the bank statement, the bank account, and all those individual accounts have to match. If there's not, there's no way around that. So if you're going to go into this niche, you really should be that person that I always laugh. People make fun of me for many years. I might even had a few conversations with Michelle on the Intuit community <laughs> about, it, do you stay on it for a penny, a bank? If you're one of those people that's like, it has to balance, I can't sleep at night. This is a great niche for you to be inside of because some people that they, you know, they use that account reconciliation discrepancies. I wish that wasn't even. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, Linda, because when I've taught QuickBooks, especially like through the SBDC, the local community college, we have end users in there and you can ask and about half the room will keep looking for it to find it. The other half, if it's off less than a buck, they're like, I don't care. Let's just reconcile. Move yes. on. That doesn't work in the legal industry. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So in getting to work with your attorneys, you know, learn from your, if you're going to take your first client, because you think this is the niche you want to go into, if you get in a client, the one I had, the first, very, very first one I got that I still have in Fort Myers, like he worked with me. He helped me learn a lot of this stuff and a lot of what they go through. It's helpful to like learn what they, what they go through in their day to day. He goes to court. He's a workers' comp attorney. So he goes to court and he's just a straight up nice guy. He happened to be from Boston. I'm from Rhode Island originally. So we had a little connection there. We had the accent going on, but he really helped me learn a lot about the nuances of working with attorneys. Um, definitely, definitely if you're a cloud accountant and you start to work with, I mean, I'm in Florida, I can work. I've got attorneys in Massachusetts. I've got Ohio, Illinois. California, you got to know all the rules. In Florida, you actually have to, on every IOLTA transaction, as you take in the retainers or the customer deposits, you have to take a copy of both sides of the check. Now, a lot of firms do that on paper and they photocopy it. But in today's world, I use HubDoc, pull the transaction into the bank. I got both sides of the check. I attach it to the document or I attach it to the transaction in QuickBooks. And everybody's happy because it's right there for them. So that's something, but not every state requires that. But if you, if you get a client in another state, definitely go on that site and learn what the rules are, the, the local rules are as well. Targeting your social media, if you're going to go into niching, and this is for any niche, no matter what you pick, start to target your social media and marketing towards legal. So if you're going to be doing it for legal, you got to start to do that. And it's not instant. Nothing with social media is instant. It's taken two full years for the organic leads to start flowing in for me. I've had referrals, but the ones that are coming from YouTube and my blogs, two full years of blog posting once a week. So you got to be consistent yeah. with your blog posting too. It's, it's sometimes feels like a task, but keep putting it out there, putting it out there. You want the attorney to go in and start to like, I, and I've been asking now, like, how did you find me? Well, I typed in IOLTA bookkeeper and it came up and I'm like, oh, I don't know how I did that, but yay. <laughs> Just figure out, like, if you start to tag and you start to hashtag things, it'll start to come through. And then you uh, have to have... I wanted, I wanted sure. to talk a little bit about that because you had mentioned that before when we were, were, were chatting, mm -hmm. that it, as soon as you decide to do a, a, niche, a niche like this, it's not like the floodgates open. No. And and boom, here comes all these attorneys uh, because you've declared it to the world that I, <laughs> I'm going I wish. to, I'm, right? I mean, that would be ideal. But, you know, from your perspective, uh, it, it, it took some time and there were some actual doubts on your side of, 
Uh, yeah, they were the fence, all, right. <laughs> yes, they were. Um, I, the I know right Matthew's thing? on there answering questions, but he can attest to many freak out phone calls where, you know, the lead stops. So you went from all these leads coming in to all of a sudden it's like crickets. And I'd be like, I'm not doing this anymore. I quit. I can't do this. There's no leads coming in. It'd be like a few weeks of no leads. And I'm not, and especially nothing coming in from the law firm. And then he'd be like, just stop it. Just stop it. You're doing the right thing and you need that phone a friend buddy right because when you have those freak out moments because it is the right thing because you can charge more you can charge more and you can do more high level advisory stuff the fun stuff where these attorneys do, are great at what they do they're professionals they understand all this stuff but like brian said they don't really they don't learn like accounting in law school so they don't really our job is to help them learn like how's your what did you do for marketing how much money do you spend on marketing? Where are your leads coming from? And most of the times they'll say, oh, I spent X amount on, I got a firm I hired and, and how is that going? And where did your leads come from? Oh, I don't know. Well, if you're not tracking it, how are you going to know what's working? Like me not knowing where somebody found me because they typed in IOLTA, I need to find out what I did right so I can keep doing it, right? That's the main part of it, yeah. And the last one is actually getting, having money in the bank. So make sure if you do decide to do this, make sure that you have a little cash pile and you know, accountants are actually doing pretty well right now with all the stuff that's been happening with around us with all the things client needs are happening. And most of the accountants I talk to are not really seeing a downturn in work and they're actually doing better. So it's a great time if you've got extra money in the bank account to hold you through the times when it starts to slow down when you start to really focus your marketing towards not being generalist and you stop getting all the calls, like you're not getting four or five a week or whatever you chip will be at one a week and they start to stop and you start to have that little low. You want to have the money to get you through that time. And yeah, this is the biggie with working with attorneys. And this is the part that makes me feel like superwoman when I get to meet them because it Brian's going to pop in here. You guys love paper. I mean, I think I've saved like a whole forest of trees at this point with some of my clients, <laughs> like stacks of paper. It's hard when we even they do the pre-bill, like they want to print the pre-bill on lean lawn. I'm like, no, 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 just log in and then approve it. <laughs> it's just a click of a box, but. Yeah, I, we have a paperless office and, and I have to buy a box of paper every month for our paperless office, because that's just how it works. Yeah, It's yeah. easier for me to review a draft of something on paper, or at least I've convinced myself of that. Um, but yeah, technically we're a paperless office. So <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I bought paper or checks. <laughs> Those two yeah. things are kind of not in my world anymore, but it's definitely paper centric. We had a, a law firm that was printing 2000 invoices a month. And because of the program they were using, was actually a program that made you print. Even if you emailed them, you still had to print the whole pile. And now they're on lean law, they don't have to print anymore. So we've saved a lot of trees there. Um, most of the law firms are very deficient in technology. They have very manual processes. I run into uh, a lot of attorneys that when I get involved in the law firm, it's usually the younger partner that just comes in and they're like, um, I can't look up the balance on my phone. If I'm in court and I'm trying to collect on a rent, you know, an eviction, I can't find it. I have to call the office. And that's usually what starts the conversation. 
And it's generally older partners kind of like, eh, I don't really want to change. It works. Don't change it. But yeah, if you can get them to understand that a lot of them are just blown away by the fact that I can attach a document to a transaction. So it really does make you feel like superstar when you get involved with them because they, they want to know more. When I start to work with them and show them how they can do things without having to, t to click a million places, they're like, what else, can, what else is out there? What else is out there? Which is kind of fun. And then again, like I talked about the implementing the advisory services. So we get more deep into the numbers and more into where can you save? What can you do to help the law firm grow? A lot of them are growing. And how do you grow in a smart way instead of just kind of like growing without any direction, maybe a budget or a forecast? And that's, part, that's the part I think Sarah and I really love digging into. Some other challenges, uh, yes. besides the fact that they're connected to Latin, um, <laughs> what, uh, what do you, what do you see technology wise? <laughs> yeah. Uh, data vulnerabilities. I've had a few of them that I've worked or talked to that have actually had cyber attacks because they're in the desktop products. And a lot of times people don't understand that actually the cloud products like QuickBooks are really secure. Um, and, and even like email, you know, these things, like I use Lysio for my contact and communication with my clients because it's really secure. There's no data flying back between my client and, and I without having it be in a secure place. It's just something that we just hands down don't, there's no wavering on. We specifically stick to it. Um, and, and it's important because we don't want anybody's data to ever get in it compromised or hacked. Um, they definitely spend too much time on admin tasks. I think that sometimes they don't realize that there's another way. Accounts receivable and collections, I have yet to find a firm that we haven't been able to either find money that they haven't billed. That's a big one when we start to get into the migrations and we're like, well, what is this client? This seems to be kind of old and why does it have a balance? They all want to clean their balance up when we do the migration. They've got these balances that have been hanging. And a lot of times we find, um, which is fun to find money that's been sitting there in the retainer and the act, actual attorney had done the work, but they never billed or they forgot to bill or they cut the check, never, you know, moved the money over or whatever. And then again, like I mentioned earlier, marketing where the leads coming from, that's a big one um, trying to figure out because it's, it, it's sometimes there's a lot of attorneys in a generalized place and you have to really figure out what would work best for you to get the people walking in the door, get the clients walking in the door. Is there any um, size, like do you specialize in, in like a size of a firm like uh, or, or the age of a firm that, that, that really fits with, fits with you or do you could be a sole practitioner or, you know, a multi-partnership firm? We've been working, um, we've got both. We've got the solo practitioner and we've got all the way up to the, we, what we call mid-market when you're getting into like, we've got one that we just had 45 you know, there's 45 people on staff. So it's really either way. Uh, we prefer, Sarah and I prefer to really work in the mid-market. It's kind of been our sweet spot working with the larger firms. But either way, we've worked with both. Um, and the obviously, this is my favorite app, Lean Law. It's very automated and it works really well with QuickBooks. There's multiple multiple apps that will work with QuickBooks. A lot of them don't work very well. They'll disconnect. Or we've got one recently that just sent everything double. And I don't have that problem with Lean Law. Lean Law is a time and billing software for attorneys. It has a two-way sync. So if I have the law firm upload the bills, so we'll work hand-in-hand -hand with the staff in the office. If I have them upload the bills into Receipt Bank, 
they will, we will backcode them or we'll have it set up. Like a lot of them use the same vendors all the time. So we'll backcode them to client advanced costs if most of the expenses are that, or if it's something like to do with the overhead in the firm, we'll code it there. But then we'll have to just tag the matter on, push it into QuickBooks so the document gets pushed in with the, with the transaction. So it's right there for the attorney to see that the matter's been tagged. And then Lean Law will grab it and pull it up in advanced client costs waiting to be built. So it's a magical process that's got me not touching anything, not clicking. It's uploaded. It's pr processed. I just have to put the matter on. It goes into QuickBooks to be paid. Or if it's been paid on a credit card or something like that, it's in there. And then it gets pulled up ready to be billed. It's just the sweetest flow, workflow. Lean Law also has a lot of attorney-specific reports. And they're just an app company that I'm so happy I discovered them because they're a smaller firm, but they're very, very much, it's a family, like a family bunch of people. They're not all family, but they're like a family. They're very open to anything. If there's a firm that might need a specific report, the developers are open to adding certain buttons and reports to make their product better. They're always open to that. Uh, they're really, really, they give you leads. So if you're a lean law accounting pro, you just have to sign up they'll give you leads. They get people who come to them all the time and they don't know how to move off of like a Cosmolex or something like that into QuickBooks Lean Law. We specialize in that. So they'll shoot the lead over to whoever is maybe local to that person or even if it's somebody that they know that like Sarah and I are so good at PC law conversions or jurists or any of those, we've done quite a few, the bigger firms, they'll shoot it over to us, we'll do the work. And, and that's a great referral system. So if you're thinking about this niche, learn lean law, check out their app, become a lean law accounting pro, and then you'll be set up to get some referrals from them as well, which is a real win. It's a company that really values their accountants. They love working with the attorneys, but they value their accountants because we're the ones really working mostly in the product. The attorneys do too to track their time. But for us, they really want to make sure that we're really happy and they want to make sure the accounting side works. So it's powerful when you add QuickBooks because QuickBooks is a platform for the QuickBooks is a platform accounting platform, right? So it's a lot of these pro, uh, products that are like a Cosmolex, for example. Cosmolex is a product that's for attorneys, but it doesn't really do the accounting part very well. It's not, it's like the accounting was the afterthought. So when you put Lean Law in, a, in QuickBooks, you've got a powerful one two punch, really. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know you're a big fan of Lean Law. And oh, I'm very big, <laughs> very big fan. And, and really excited about uh, some of the upcoming changes that are coming with with regards to lean law and, and QBO Advance. Mm -hmm. We don't know what exactly that's going to look like, but they are talking about um, you know a, a partnership a connection there. Mm -hmm. So um, that'll be our next uh, polling question. Uh, would you like to learn about some legal solution apps that work with QuickBooks? Like maybe we could have lean law on on. Uh, on the on the webinar or uh you know some of the other ones that that do work with quickbooks and i'm using air quotes there uh, <laughs> that is one of the big things about the apps is what does it what does it integrate with and how it integrates with with quickbooks because it may synchronize but maybe it's a one-way communication yes. or maybe it's in a way that that doesn't work for you you know as an accounting professional so we definitely want to understand uh, that. Um, and Linda, 
does you were talking about lean law does the document image sync into lean law and then along with getting images um the qbo receipt capture how does that compare and would you recommend that or do you want to answer those two and then sure. i do know we want to keep going through your slides before we yeah. do a bunch of these but yeah no um the lean law works with quickbooks so when you create the invoice it actually pushes it into quickbooks now the good part about lean law is you can go into lean law and click like the attorneys stay in lean law they can see their invoice and they can see the, you know, they can see the invoice that they've created. So the images are more for the billing part. So someone would have to have the ability to see, well, actually you can click it from expenses. So when it's in an expense or in a client advance cost, if it's got a connection, they have to be able to get into QuickBooks and have a user, but they can click the little QB icon and it will bring you right to that transaction. So they do have that ability to see it. And it, yes, it'll open up QuickBooks, it'll open up the transaction. So if it's like a filing fee, it will open it up. You'll see the client that's attached to or the matter, and you'll be able to see the picture of it. So it's it's really, it is fast. Like you can see even in the trust account, you click the little QB icon, it brings you right to it. So you're not, some of the attorneys we work with have like 2000 matters to try to go through that list is hard. But with lean law, if I'm going in, I just search for it, I can pull it up and then I can click and pull myself right into the QuickBooks in that section. So I'm trying to balance out the, the trust account in the IOLTA, making sure everything balances that three-way reconciliation. That's great, thank good, you. Good overwhelming majority, 72% saying they would uh, yeah. love to hear more about it because you're, you're definitely, that's where, uh, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, that's where the attorney sits a lot yes. of times in the, in the lien law and then you um, stay in the, in the QuickBooks and the- It's every accountant's together. dream to keep the client out of QuickBooks, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Linda, we're going to let you get through the rest of your slides here because you got great info and then we have more questions for you at the end. Okay, sure. So for the advanced client cost part, we're talking about, I mean, we'll get into QuickBooks, sorry, QuickBooks Advanced. The three features that are the biggest power players for me, why I want to use QuickBooks Advanced over any other is the workflow feature, which is that automated feature where I can do I can make sure that I know if there's undeposited funds, there's a lot of pieces to it, um, custom fields and the business performance center. If you wanna to go to the next slide, I think the workflow is here. So you can see that there's a lot of different pieces and, and it keeps getting better. Like every time I pop in, like, oh, there's a new one, there's a new one. So you can track, this is where you can be powerful with your client on helping them with the AR and automate it. So there's a way to invoice a client, and then when the invoice is due, it'll automatically send an, another email to the client saying, hey, invoice is due, and then another one if the invoice is late. So these are things that are set up that I used to pick another app to use to do this, but now it's baked into QuickBooks. So this saves you money because that other app was like $50 a month, and this is right inside. So when you start to look at the pricing of QuickBooks, this makes it a no-brainer to go to a program that's got all the pieces in it. You want to go to the next one, Dan? If you're doing migrations like we're doing, this is like the creme de la creme of the features because I'll work with an attorney where maybe there's an older partner who likes this one thing in his file. I don't want to switch from PC law. I like this. Hey, I can put that in your program with custom fields. As you can see there, I can do the original trust date, completion date. Sometimes I want to know the completion of a file matter name, originating attorney, um, in, all these are opposing attorney. You can add all these pieces in that you'll be able to track right in the software. So the ability to 48 now, custom fields, 
three different types. The types are important because you get the drop-down list. If we're doing like tracking by attorney, you can do the initials and then you're not making mistakes. If you add a third initial, you're just keeping the data really clean. The date field is important. And of course, the text one is, is also really powerful too. And then a few of those fields will work in lien law. So there's a couple of fields that you can add here. And I know they're probably going to try to do more that will actually synchronize right to lien law. So I use those fields now to pull in matter, name, and things like that. Those two fields will sync to, quick, uh, to lien law, which is really cool. And then this is like, I, I love this, especially the between the cash flow and tracking revenue streams. So like Brian had multiple areas that he works in. I would be able to kind of track that so you can see where he made more money, which is important because you might love work in one place, but if you find that the estate planning is much more beneficial, then you might want to weigh that. And it's a way for me to track revenue streams inside of QuickBooks Advanced, which we have a lot of powerful tools with the reporting that's in there. And like I mentioned earlier, steady niche, I'm not really worried too much about the economy with most of them. We were talking earlier about how the divorce attorneys are, unfortunately, it's kind of rising up. Um, they're getting a lot more work right now due to the circumstances we live in. Um, basically, it's recession proof. Uh, most of the attorneys are pretty busy. Even during the lockdown, when everybody went remote, they still stayed busy. Even though the courts were closed, they stayed busy. It was an interesting to see because I wasn't even sure how it was going to be affected but it's been a it's been interesting to see that most of them are very very busy and then these are the features we talked about roles too before on the other webinar so the roles are important especially when you get into mid-market where you've got multiple people that may need access to quickbooks online advanced has the features where you can do multiple roles so i can do maybe the receptionist collects money and applies it to the account, that's all that she can do. She can't see any bank accounts or anything like that. QuickBooks Online Advanced has that feature where you can make sure that those pieces are only, the, the people that are in the file can only see what they, they can see. I've had it where they've had older partners that are really kind of phasing out, but they still want to view it, but they don't want to be, they don't really want them in the accounting, but we'll give the view only even user. I've used that one as well. And we just talked about the, yep, got, performance, yep, the performance center, center. and mm -hmm. the custom fields. Mm -hmm. What else we got here? Okay, so. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, don't go to that one yet. <laughs> 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 we have some great questions for, for, um, for Linda, sorry. Um, so Lean Law, is that a case management software? And if so, why is there a need for custom fields in QBO? Is it redundant? So Lean Law is a time and billing software, not a case case management uh, system. So it's not like a Clio that has a lot of other pieces where you're doing the CRM, you're tracking clients and customers. It's not that. So it's less expensive, but doesn't have some of those features that you're probably thinking about. We could like do case, they can go and do case research and things like doesn't have that. So you'd have to have a, other software. Doesn't have like file storage to it. So um, there's other pieces and they, and they are working on some of those things to add to like working at some of the things that I know about that I can't talk about yet that are going to be coming up with lean law. But I think that you'd be very happy if you move to it. And there's plenty of other ways you can get around some of those pieces. And a lot of the clients I know that I've worked with that have come off of other software, they actually don't really use some of the things that they thought they were using. So I get into the conversations and I find out that they wanted all the bells and whistles in one place. And then they realize it wasn't, they weren't using them and they're paying like 
some of them are paying like $125 a user where lean laws in the $50 range for the higher level and you get all the reporting and everything with it. And Brian, can you share what you are currently using? And also, you know, do you have any specific questions for, for Linda? Uh, I use my case, um, which is a, uh, a software that I had a business partner for a few years and that was his favorite, but we were always trying new ones. Uh, I can tell you that there is the, um, hesitance to ever switch. So yes. <laughs> understanding that it's easy to transfer those things over, I just think in my mind immediately, that sounds like a headache uh, to move things over. And we've had trouble exporting stuff like that before. So, uh, but I'm interested. I'm going to check out Lean Law and, and, uh, and you can probably expect a call from me at some point. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Actually, I'm working with a client right now that was doing it with my case but it wasn't really working with QuickBooks. They could never get it to work. They could never get anybody to pay through it. So, and then he was just doing everything in Excel. So um, we're, we're working with him to pull them off because that's what Sarah and I like specialize in is getting you painlessly off of what you were on. We have been changed from time slips. We've, we've done bill for time. I mean, there's probably a laundry list, which is good for us because we get to see like what is, doesn't work on some of these and where the clunkiness comes into factor and how we're able to bring them on. And it, it's, we always find it fun. Like we always like high-fiving each other going, hey, we, we got them <laughs> off of something that, because it's so fun to come in and they're like, when you're teaching them, they're kind of frightened by the training part. And they're like, that's it. That's all I have to do to click. And yeah, that's QuickBooks. It's simple, simple to, to work in. And then Lima is very simple and straightforward. And Lima does a great job of training the attorney side for us. So we just do the accountant side. Okay. Awesome. So, Linda, you mentioned uh, time and stuff. Somebody mm -hmm. wanted to know, is T-Sheets a good app for the legal niche? I've not used T-Sheets for tracking um, the time for attorneys. I, I don't see how that would work. I do have contractors that use it. I just think that because lean law is specific to law, you're able to get the reporting on that side. They have a lot of reports that are pulled from the side of the attorneys. And then the advanced client cost piece you would make more steps. It's less work just to go with what works for law firms, I think. I suppose you could do it though. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of the nice things about T-sheets is the whole geo-fencing. Uh, it's you really cool. wouldn't have You wouldn't have that uh, need. You don't need it for attorneys <laughs> though, right? Um, yeah, you wouldn't be tracking. And then I see you get a question about does it work, lean low work with desktop? That would be a no. Perfect. So online only. Also. Okay. And, and Dan, if you want to go ahead and launch that final poll question for some people that might have to leave, but Linda and Brian, do you have a few extra minutes where you could stay? And sure. we've got some great questions here. Um, if you got a few extra minutes and you'd like to stay, is that okay? Sure. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so the question of switching from another system, uh, Sharon wanted to know, do you have to learn the other system like case law or my case or whatever it was? Do you have to learn the other system before you can transfer from that other legal system to lean law and QuickBooks or things like that? If you're, if, if does she mean like her, I'm not, I don't, she means if she's doing the actual migration, you do, do kind of have to learn the product when we start to extract the data out. Most of the online ones you don't because it's an easy out because it's online and you're moving to online. It's the same. But when you get like to PC law, there's specific reports that like Sarah and I pretty much just figured out which ones to use. A lot of the desktop ones are Thomson Reuters and they're all kind of similar. So they have a similarity to their reporting. Um, one of the things we've found with working with the desktop ones is they don't handle the accounting piece that well. Uh, and we've always seemed to be able to help the client make sure they get the money right to the penny. 
and figure out they a lot of times they go through and they start to clean up and get off offload a lot of those retainers that might be maybe have like one cent left but you have to return it right it's a retainer you either have to earn it or return it so um that's the big part of working with the clients and doing the migrations it's a lot of fun but you really we've worked through a lot of processes for it but if you if you it wouldn't be a bad idea i don't think to learn it to know especially if you start to do that what's the weakness in the product and what you can speak to with the new product so if the the attorney is using or you you know if you guys are using lean law then what do they use for case management a lot of them um a lot of them use they go outside of it. i'm trying to think of the name of it right now it's not popping into my brain but a lot of them a lot of them do they manage their cases in a lot of them use microsoft office 365 so they use a lot of the products there to track their matters and cases they track a lot of the matters inside of lean law as far as the trust side of it um, for case management, you mean like researching and studying? A lot of them use online services for that, for the most part. Brian, do you want to add anything in there? There's all sorts of different products. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's endless. I, I've had, you know, there are some of the time tracking companies that also have, um, like Time Slips has some stuff in it that will pop up and tell you when your statute of limitations is coming up, or if you've entered in a custom field that talks about you know, when dead, some other deadline is. Um, but lots of them, there are endless, I, I get messages all the time from yeah. case management or time tracking softwares. I think Clio did or does too. Clio has that, it's a little bit more robust on that side, um, yeah. but it's not a product I want to really work in. We, we use separate programs. We use Westlaw for legal research. Westlaw, that's it, thank and, you, uh, that's the one. And then, and then my case for the case management, which has a time tracking feature, which isn't the best. And, and then we have QuickBooks, our bookkeeper has QuickBooks. So mm -hmm. it's, it is interesting to think about trying to put all those under one roof. Mm -hmm. so Brian, I have a question for you. Um, I, I worked in a law firm, um, gosh, I started in high school all through college. Um, and I did, you know, draft and help do the document prep for a lot of the wills and trusts and things like that. So my question for you is we're talking about time tracking. And I know the lawyers I worked for used to track it in six minute increments. But yet, it seems like more and more lawyers, especially when it comes to wills and trusts and things, it's a fixed fee. You know, if you want this trust and this will and whatever, this package is going to be $5,000 or 10000 or whatever the case may be. So are you still time tracking for those where you're, we, we like to call it value pricing, where it's a fixed fee? You know, yeah, can you give I, some insight on that? I refer to it as a flat fee, and I don't time track on those cases. Okay. Um, that, for estate planning purposes. For there have been times where I've taken family law cases on a flat fee uh, because the client wanted some certainty as to mm -hmm. the total cost. Of course, that's always a roll of a dice because you never know whether the case is going to take three months or three years. Right. Um, so I don't love doing that, but I have done that for clients before. In family law cases, I do keep track of my time uh, in the event that the opposing party acts unreasonably and I ever need to go to the judge and try to justify my fee if we're asking the judge to award attorney's fees for my client against their, their ex-spouse. Gotcha. Um, so I do track sometimes even if it's a flat fee. Okay, very um, and good. And we, we do, when we do hourly cases, we do bill in six-minute increments. And, uh, and I do keep track of my uh, legal assistants are all trained in keeping track of their time as well 
Uh, oftentimes I go in and no bill their time, but clients like to see who's working on their case and, and things like that. So uh, you know, we, we keep okay. track of all of it or try to. Great. It's, and interesting, it, oh, uh, it's interesting that, that you and your profession have some of the same concerns that, that accountants and bookkeepers yep. have in their mm -hmm. profession about tra t tracking time. Do I charge by yeah. the hour? Uh, do I do flat fee or do I value just bundle it all in? So yep. uh, some of the things we connect with and some of the things that are can in, independent of, of what it is that we do. Uh, so uh, Michelle, I stepped on your question. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just trying to rapid fire these questions out here because we had several of them here. Um, Linda, somebody else wanted to know, do you also help with technology implementation such as CRM apps for firm? And then Brian, after she answers, you know, do you use a CRM app? And um, what are your thoughts on that? So Linda, do you help with implementing those? And then Brian, what are your thoughts on CRMs? We have actually with Salesforce and with HubDot, uh, Hub. Hub, not HubDot, HubSpot. Is that what it's called? HubSpot, Hub, yeah. HubSpot, Hub, yeah. Spot, That's yeah. the one that the two that really, um, in fact, HubSpot's in beta with QuickBooks. So it synchronizes and works with QuickBooks. And I think Salesforce is also. Um, those are the two major ones that with the mid-market firms that they like to use because it tracks the leads and it tracks all that important stuff that you want to know that, you know, before it actually become a client. So yes, we do help with that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ryan? and we, we don't. Um, I use it. So <laughs> okay. that, that's probably part of the blind spot of the, uh, of the spending your time running the law firm and, and needing more, more time and assistance doing that other stuff. Yes, that's, that's true. Sometimes it's hard for us to take care of our own business. You're too busy doing the work to do some of that other stuff. So that's great. Um, okay, Linda, what do you use for paying bills? She's, you said you're paperless, no paper checks. I would tend to think it's probably bill.com, but what do you use for? Actually, I, I don't have a lot of bills, but I pay them either with a credit card or, oh. uh, and synchronize it, or I pay it right through my bank's website. I don't really use. I am looking into Milio, but I have not gone down that road yet. I haven't had a lot of time to do it, but I've heard great things about it. Brian, how do you all pay the bills or, or submit the filing fees and things like that? How are you all doing that in your firm? We write checks. Okay. Oh, and we, I mean, <laughs> on, on the ones on the ones that you can set up uh, online bill pay, you know, we we do that. You know, we pay our Verizon bill and our Comcast bill uh, online. Okay, but for court so filing, called, you know, for, for filing fees and stuff, are you able to submit online payments to the court for yeah. some of those costs, Not or does it them. have to be checks? I write checks. But okay. you could write pay by credit card sometimes or debit card if you card it, if you have to. Yeah, I have a courier service. Uh, where I'm at is about 25 minutes from the courthouse. So um, my courier service takes down checks for me. And uh, when I file in, when I file myself, I pay with my business debit card. And that's very normal and typical, actually, for most law firms. Okay. And my, cool. my staff, I have two staff members under the age of 25, and, and they can't believe <laughs> write checks or, or, or send envelopes with actual stamps on them and things like that. Do they even know what a stamp is? <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a long discussion a couple weeks ago about what a self-addressed stamped envelope was. That no. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's where, you know, some things are slower to adapt. You know, we now like, you know, we just had the tax deadline and I know I, 
I have one client that I still do their taxes as well as my own, but we were able to pay all that online and it's easier than ever. So hopefully the court system will eventually get there to where we can be doing online payments and online filings and things like that as well. Um, so Linda, way back early on when you were talking about learning about the legal industry and the legal terminology and stuff, you mentioned something about going on the state website. What would that be titled and or somebody else wanted to know where could you go to learn more about legal bookkeeping and accounting? Do you have any recommendations? Sure. So for the state website, you go to your local bar association. So I would go to Florida if I have a client in Florida, if I went to California, I do California. Um, if you want to learn more about the legal bookkeeping, join our Facebook group, QB Community Live. Um, I'm there. We have a lot of people that have kind of followed me through there. Uh, become a Lean Law Accounting Pro, learn that software, and then join us on the meetings. We're doing a, a meeting tomorrow um, and Sarah's going to be joining me we're going to be on with Jonathan they help us know the new features they got a lot of really new cool features coming out and um, join us and you learn about the we get into some of those topics follow my blog I do posts on all that stuff as I learn things I've been writing articles about that stuff and you might want to just follow my blog and, and learn a lot of things there's a whole bunch of content on there already over the two years <laughs> awesome yeah. We, we've been uh, posting your, uh, I mean, your, your slide of all your contact information. Yes, so I, see that. I, th <laughs> I think uh, your phone's going to start ringing off the <laughs> here if I keep this up much longer. That's okay. I'm, we're more than willing to help. That's one of the things that, you know, Matthew's in the background, but it's one of the things we're always willing to help. That's our kind of our MO and our group. We're, we're there to help everybody. So if anybody needs any help, join our group or we're there. And there's a lot of people, a lot of great, we got a lot of great people in our group too that will help. That's great. And Brian, I, I see your contact info there now. Are you willing to answer questions? And can you do estate planning and services for other states as well? Because I know with lawyers, sometimes you have to be licensed in a particular state. But when it comes to wills and trust and estate planning, can you do that in other states as well? I'm always willing to answer anybody's question. Our firm provides free consultations. We are limited as to what we can do outside of the state of Arizona. Okay. Uh, so generally speaking, people need to have some tie to the state of Arizona, own property, uh, visit here frequently, uh, be a resident of the state of Arizona. Um, the longer we go, the more often states are recognizing the license of other states and giving reciprocity. Um, but right now I'm just licensed here. Wonderful. Well, I know I really appreciate both of you sharing your knowledge and expertise. And Brian, we were joking earlier. I'm glad you didn't start the clock when we started yeah. the webinar. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're currently on 1.2. So. Okay. <laughs> this is some of that non-billable time, I hope. <laughs> but we really appreciate you sharing your expertise and, and coming on with us and Linda sharing your tips and stuff. I think this has been fabulous, and I hope everybody um, – had some great information as well. Dan, you're the one that organized all this. Fabulous job. Two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I think this was great having having someone from the from the, the industry as well as a, an industry professional uh, on at the same time to really kind of bounce those. It's cool. This is this is what how I, you know is what I need, deal with, and this is how I I solve for that at the same time. So this was great. I really appreciate. You both uh, for for joining us today. Um, any any closing thoughts, uh, Linda? No, I really appreciate you guys having me on again. I feel like a superstar two times in a row, but no, it's <laughs> been fun. And you know, following you guys is important because you you keep us on top of all the industry stuff. I've been following QB Power Hour forever, 
But if anybody needs to reach out, please reach out. If you have any questions, I'm more than happy to help. Being moving to a niche is scary. I can be your phone a friend, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I just wanted to share one last comment with you all. Robert said 95% of this pertains to Canada also. Thank yes. you very much. So you guys are helping people internationally. So <laughs> fabulous. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. I know we ran a little over the hour um, and, and I really appreciate everyone uh, for joining us here today. Um, again, next, next time is, is QBO Advance, the roadmap. Uh, so join us for that. Um, again, have a great day. Thanks for joining us uh, again and uh, stay humble, stay healthy. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to the QB Power Hour podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them in our Facebook group. You can find those resources and much more at qbpowerhour.com.